Welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, how's it going, Brandon? Good to have you on the Design Your Life and Business podcast today, man. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So today we're talking about SEO, social media, Google, and all things getting noticed. All right. So <laughs> first question I like to ask every guest is, who are you? Who is Brandon Leibowitz? I help people get more visibility and exposure online doing SEO and digital marketing. Got involved with it back in 2007 and got my degree in business marketing. And after I graduated from school, got my first job doing digital marketing, helping a company out with their SEO and doing social media, doing paid ads, doing email marketing, kind of doing it all for them back then. And working there for a few months, just kind of realized websites probably the future. This is back in 2007 and everyone's probably going to have a website and everything I mentioned works to get traffic, but SEO is just a way to get free traffic. So I thought, why is why some money on paid ads if I could get up there for free? And over the years, worked at different advertising agencies as a director of SEO. And before work, after work, and on my lunch breaks, I'd work on my own company and eventually built that up to quit my job and focus solely on this and been doing that ever since. Yeah, I love that, man. So you own an organization called SEO Optimizers. So what makes it different from the other SEO companies on the market? Well, focus on quality. So with SEO, a lot of it's building backlinks and putting content out there and it all comes down to quality nowadays versus quantity in the past is like the more you put out, the higher you rank. Now it's not the number of content or backlinks. It's the number of quality content and the number of quality backlinks that you're able to build. So focusing on quality over the years and seeing all the changes that's happened for the past 15 plus years with Google because they're pretty much changing every single day their algorithm. So just trying to stay up to date with the latest changes. That's a good point, man. So how do you stay up to date on the latest changes with the algorithms for Googles and the Bings of, of the world? Just trying to read up in different blogs, websites, forums, talking to other people, looking at analytics to see if any changes happen because Google doesn't really tell you if they make changes. Sometimes they do, but most of the time they don't really let you know. So it's kind of becoming a detective and just trying to talk to other people and read and learn as much as possible to see if there's any trends or changes that other people notice and kind of just trying to figure it out, reverse engineer it. But unfortunately, they don't really tell you. Every once in a while, they'll tell you a major update, but most of the time, they don't really tell you. They want you to just kind of be guessing and hopefully get frustrated and spend money on paid ads since that's how they make all their money. <laughs> right. It kind of goes into their business model, right? They want you to run ads so they can keep getting paid. So <laughs> makes sense. I know it's frustrating for us, but it makes sense for them. So can you elaborate a little bit on your approach towards search engine optimization, which is SEO for those designers that are listening? Like, what is SEO? I'm sure I don't want to sauce you all intelligence, but I want to make sure I explain what that is. And then uh, just elaborate on your approach. And then how has it evolved over the years? You've been at this for a while. SEO stands for search engine optimization which is optimizing websites for search engines, which is really just Google kind of runs the show. So when you search on Google, there's ads at the top. Those are all paid ads. Right below the ads are the organic, the free listings. And SEO is about getting you in those free listings. There's 10 spots on that first page of Google. So just trying to get you into that free real estate. Then nowadays, it's not just websites that appear. If you search on Google, there's images, there's maps, videos, all this stuff appears nowadays. So Best practice is let's optimize everything. That way, just in case Google shows a video and your website, that's just going to double the chances of somebody finding you. And all those are random. Sometimes 
images or videos might appear. Sometimes I might not. There's always going to be 10 websites. The websites always appear, but all these other things are just bonuses that if you properly optimize it, you're just going to tap into more traffic. And with like the maps for your local business, then you want to get up on Google Maps. If you have any videos, optimize those videos because I'd focus on really on YouTube because Google owns YouTube. And when you search on Google, you're not really going to promote Vimeo or Facebook videos. Sometimes they do, but most of the time it's going to be a YouTube video because they don't even care about making money. So if you search on Google, you don't click on an ad, Google's not making any money. But if you search on Google, you don't click on an ad, but you scroll down and there's a YouTube video. You click on that video. The first thing that appears anytime you watch YouTube videos, there's always an advertisement. So YouTube is making money, which is really Google making money. And they're going to keep pushing that as much as they can. So I always tell people, get a presence on YouTube if you can sooner and later, just because everything is really shifting towards video as well. And having that presence there is going to really help out. Yeah, absolutely. And then we also have like the rise of voice search and mobile first indexing. You know, how do you adapt your SEO strategies to that? Mobile first, you just got to make sure your website looks good on mobile, loads quickly. It's easy to navigate. Maybe you reduce some of the pages or some of the clutter on the desktop version versus mobile since we don't get as much real estate. And just try to make sure that you optimize for mobile versus desktop. And that really comes down to like having a good website that's optimized for mobile, built for mobile. A lot of people will just build websites, but especially nowadays, you should build mobile first desktop secondary website that way you focus on mobile just because mobile brings in so much traffic and it's not going to slow down anytime soon for the most part i mean who knows what the future holds but for now everyone has a cell phone it's easy for people to connect people are throwing away old iphone 7 so if you can't afford a phone people just throw them away and there's free wi-fi in a lot of cities nowadays and that's really what's connecting people is mobile devices lower barrier of entry versus buying a desktop or a laptop computer. It's easy for someone to get a cell phone and you can just go to like the library or like where I live in Venice, they have free Wi-Fi all over the city. So anyone can just connect and that really changes everything. So making sure that you have a mobile first optimized website is so very important nowadays. What's some of the keys for mobile first optimization? I know you want to make sure your spacing looks good, make sure it's very receptive to when someone has a touchscreen, they're scrolling and all that stuff. But what's some other keys? It would be the same as desktop, just making sure you have good quality content. That way search engines can read what's on your website, making sure that you have good quality backlinks because Google doesn't really care what you put on the website. They don't believe anything you put on there without you building trust up. And the way to build trust is by getting what are called backlinks, getting other websites to talk about you. So what is a backlink? Backlink is a clickable link from another website to where yours. So if you're reading an article, let's say on newyorktimes.com. And there it says Brandon Leibowitz. You click on that and it goes to my website. I'd be getting a backlink from newyorktimes.com. So the more websites that talk about you, the more trust Google's going to give to you and the higher they're going to rank. But mobile desktop, I mean, there's lots of differences, but Google doesn't really tell you. But for mobile, it's just making sure it looks good, loads quickly. But I mean, that's just in general for desktop as well. It all kind of goes hand in hand. But for mobile, if your website's not mobile friendly, Google's not going to show you on mobile devices. So if it doesn't look good on mobile devices and it's not responsive or doesn't conform and shrink down, if it's just the same website on desktop and mobile, that's where you're going to have issues. But other than that, they don't really tell you anything else. It's just making sure it's mobile friendly. If you want to check, there's a free tool from Google. It's called the Mobile Friendly Test. You go put your website in there and see if it's mobile friendly. Even if your website is mobile friendly, sometimes it might fail this test. So it's always good just to double check and see is my site mobile friendly according to Google? Because 
if you have fonts that are not mobile friendly or colors that are too close to one another, Google will actually say that it's not mobile friendly and that might impact your reach on mobile devices. Right. And then on, on the back end, if you have the, the like that search console admin, um, it kind of tells you if your website is mobile friendly as well, right? Yep. It'll tell you there as well, but you just go to the mobile friendly test and then it'll tell you right there too. So but I would recommend get Google search console just because it's something for analytics that's all based about SEO and it's going to help out a lot. Absolutely. And then when it comes to the voice search, are there any differences we need to be looking at to make sure we're optimized for like the Alexas and the series and all that stuff? Yeah, that's where people search in sentences. So if you have sentences that are that exact question that somebody's answering, asking, and then you answer that question, that's going to be more likely that you show up in those voice searches. If you had schema.org, it's a programming language that Google being Yahoo created like 10 years ago. If you incorporate that into your website, that will help out with that. But really just trying to figure out what are people saying? Because now it's not just like someone might say, type into Google in the past, restaurant, Italian restaurant near me. But with their cell phone, they could say, where can I find the best Italian restaurant near me? It's a whole different type of search, adding phrases and prepositions. And that's where if you have the whole sentence on your website and answer that question, that's going to be more likely that's going to trigger Google or any of these platforms to want to show you for that voice search. But unfortunately, with voice search, they only pick one website, which makes it tough. So a lot of competition and it's not easy getting up there. Got you. And then, you know, do you recommend if you do put those sentences, would that be like in a fact section or something like that? Uh, it just depends where you want to put it in the website, whatever makes sense. You don't want to just throw it in the area, just throw it in an area, but you want to make it so it flows. And as long as it offers value for people, that's all that matters. If you're throwing keywords in there, that makes sense and flow and it aligns and offers value, then that'd be good. So a lot of people might put like a FAQ section or something like that with frequently asked questions. And then you take those questions that are commonly asked, answer them there, mark it up a schema and header tags and the coding, which gets a little technical, but yeah, these little things that enhances it and tells Google and other platforms to really pay more attention to these words, phrases, and sentences. Awesome. And then how do you measure success outside of being on the first page of Google? How do you measure success for your SEO strategies? You want to look at your keywords. You want to track what position you're in month over month, week over week. You want to look at your organic traffic, see how much traffic you're getting, and make sure that's increasing. And you can use tools like Google Analytics, it's a free tool from Google that will show you how much traffic you're getting every single day shows where your traffic comes from, what pages they visit, how long they stay on your website tells you a ton of information and it's free. There's a lot of other analytics out there tools, but like if you're on Shopify, they'll show you Shopify analytics, but they don't tell you the full story. Google analytics tells you way too much information. It's like data overload. So I would use that. Don't get overwhelmed. A lot of people get overwhelmed, don't know where to go. And I just say, click on anything. You're not going to break anything and you're just going to learn about your traffic and, the more you know, the more data you're going to have to make statistically informed decisions instead of just guessing. And then you can see, all right, this is the page that gets the most traffic. So if you're e-commerce, you can see which products get the most traffic. If you're a blog, you can see which blog posts get the most traffic. If you're a service-based business, you can see which services get the most traffic. But then you can also see how many people leave that page immediately. So you can see maybe you're selling a product and this product gets the most traffic, but 90% of the people that come to this page leave immediately. You're not going to know that without analytics. And that's going to show you maybe I need to tweak this page. Maybe it loads slowly. Maybe who knows what's going on. It could be a ton of different reasons, but that's going to help you kind of reverse engineer and become a detective and figure out what needs to be optimized. That way you're not missing out because you never know what happens after people get to your website. 
And Google Analytics is going to show you how long they stay, what pages they visit. It's going to tell you too much information, but again, data is valuable. Absolutely. Are there any tips for our designers for them not to get penalized on the flip side by Google's al algorithms? Uh, well, you just got to look at, well, Google has Google search essentials. They tell you what they're looking for, what they're not looking for, and just take everything with a grain of salt because it's Google. I'm not going to tell you the full truth, but they really just tell you what they're looking for, which is good quality content, multiple pages on your website because the more pages you have, the more keywords you can target. So not just having one long page. It's called Parallax. Looks good aesthetically, but for SEO, it's really bad because each page can only target about three to five keywords. After that, it's kind of tough. So if you want to target more keywords, you create, need to create more pages. The more pages you have, the more keywords you can target. It's like free real estate. You can just keep building and building on your website and building more pages. It's like building a house. You could keep building more and more stories on your house. It's going to take a lot of time, a lot of money. But if you do the same thing with your website, you can keep building more pages, more pages. It's still going to take some time, but it's worth the investment because that just gets you more free real estate that you can rank for and more opportunities to show up in the search engines. Got you. Is there a time like uh, once you get your SEO squared away, is there a time where you recommend people start running Google ads? And if so, is there a certain type of ad they should run? I mean, you can run paid ads anytime because SEO does take time. A lot of people don't want to raid around for those results and paid ads will get you that immediate traction. So if you're looking to grow immediately, paid ads are going to be the way to go about it. SEO is more of a long-term play. And as long as you're making a positive return on your ad spend, meaning you're making more than you're putting in to the ads, then I would say there's no harm in shutting them down. But if you're losing and bleeding money, then I would say, all right, maybe these aren't the best idea. Let's try another solution. There's a lot of different ads you can run. And it's all about kind of just testing too. You never know what's going to work, what's not going to work until you just kind of throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. So initially with paid ads, I would say spend more money. That way you can really test and see, all right, What's working? Maybe males 30 to 35 are clicking, but they're not calling. Let's cut them out. Maybe females 40 to 45 are clicking and calling. Let's push more money into that. So eventually you could scale back and show your ads to less of an audience. But the audience you're showing it to, you know, is going to convert because you don't need to show your ads to everyone. You just need to show it to the people that are interested in product or service. And I would probably run Google ads versus social just because people search on Google. They're showing intent. Whereas on social media, you're just interrupting people based off interest and demographics and all these other things which they might want to use your product in the future they might want to or they might have used it in the past but it doesn't mean they want to use your product or service now whereas somebody searching on google they're looking immediately they're showing that intent so it's a little bit different and i again, just really just test 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 you never know what's going to work every business is different for both an italian restaurant in los angeles my audience might be a little bit different than your audience and it's not going to work what works for me but might not work for you so you got to see what strategy is going to work best for your audience and really try to take a step back and think if you're looking for your product or service, where would you go? What type of messaging would you want to see or read or hear? And that's going to really help you learn to look better, know who your customer avatar is. Gotcha. Is there a certain metrics that we should look at when it comes to running uh, successful ads? Yeah, ROAS. So return on ad spend is probably the most important. How much are you putting in? How much are you making? That's going to be number one. So. As long as you're making more than you're putting in, that's going to be the most important thing. And then from there, making sure that you have a positive ROI or the company does, business owner does, because positive ROAS means you're making more than you're putting in with the ads, but it doesn't count for all these other variables that go into shipping and profit margin. So ultimately, you got to make sure that you're making more than you're putting in. And if so, I would keep scaling up as much as you can until you hit those economies of scale where 
you can't scale any further and you just kind of hit that plateau. But I would really play around and try to see what works. Got you. Does Google do, uh, I know like Facebook and stuff, they do like creative fatigue. Does Google give you that warning as well if you run an ad there? Google does a lot of A-B testing for you. So they'll split test and they'll say, give us 10 different headlines and a bunch of options. And then they'll just kind of do it themselves. They'll play around and test, but they want you over time to change the ads. But that's why they give you what are called responsive ads where they'll kind of do it for you. But it is cycling through the same I mean, if you only put five headlines, that's going to cycle through those five headlines. So if you're not filling out all that data completely, then I would say, you know, update it more often. But if you have like 10 or 20 different headlines, four different descriptions, 10 different images, Google's cycling and testing and testing and kind of do that work for you. But it's machine learning. I want to guarantee or go by it. It's a lot better if you control it. So if you could have full control, it's always going to be better. But Google's really pushing that they do it for you because... They're going to make more money off of that, unfortunately. Right. You mentioned the keyword there, right? Speaking of SEO, right? That was the keyword I picked up on, machine learning. So what trends in SEO should our designers be aware of for the next few years? I mean, everything is shifted towards AI and we'll have to see what happens with that. But future is tough to predict as long as you provide good quality websites that look good on mobile. For the most part, I'd say that's going to be the most important thing is make it look good on mobile, make it load quickly if you're a web developer. It's making sure everything is according to what Google's looking for. So look at Google search essentials, Google Webmaster guidelines. They'll tell you what they're looking for, what they're not looking for. And they'll tell you explicitly, especially if you're a web designer or programmer, they'll tell you what to look for when building a website, if you're doing SEO, and they'll just kind of give you a roadmap. Gotcha. What is your squad over at SEO Optimizers? Are you guys working on anything as you prepare for all this new stuff coming up? Yeah, always testing, trying things out, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and just constantly testing, testing, and just trying to figure out what works now because you never know until you try out. You can read and watch videos, listen to podcasts, but if you don't take action, it doesn't do much good. So taking action and testing and trial and error. Yes, sir. We're all about action over here. So I know those designers, they listening, they writing those notes, they're going to go ahead and start implementing. So I want to ask you, right? We know social media is still all the rage with the TikToks and the Facebooks and all that other stuff coming up. Seems like a new one every day. So how do you integrate like social media and other digital marketing strategies with SEO services? So just trying to make sure that you show up in as many places as possible that your audience is on. So it's all about just taking a step back and thinking, if you're looking for your product or service, where are you going to be? Are you going to be on Google, Yelp, social media? Like if you're looking for like a dentist, are you going to go on Instagram? Maybe, probably not. Probably going to go on Google or Yelp, find them, then check them out on social media to make sure they're real, credible, trustworthy, so like social proof. So it's just about knowing who your audience is and where are they active because you don't need to be everywhere. You just need to be where your audience is at. And like myself, I do SEO. Not many people are going to go on Facebook, some people do looking for SEO, but most people are going to go on Google or YouTube. So it's just trying to figure out who your audience is and how you get in front of them at that right moment and build an audience on those platforms because a lot of people get sucked into trying to be on every platform. It's good to have a presence, like claim your username on all these platforms, but in terms of being active, you really just need to figure out who your audience is and what platform should I be active on. And that's where you can look at your competitors and see what platforms they're active on and kind of look to see. Are they posting five times a day on Instagram, but no one's engaging? Maybe Instagram is not where my audience is, or maybe they're doing Instagram wrong. Kind of gives you a little way to kind of cheat sheet and look at what they're doing. Same with like SEO and pretty much all digital marketing. 
if you know where to look, you could see what I'm doing. I could see what you're doing. And it's kind of just reverse engineering your strategies and trying to figure out what's working, what's not working, and how can I incorporate what's working for you into my own business and vice versa. Because if you look in the right places, you can see pretty much everything. Absolutely, man. So you're a leader. I mean, this podcast is for leaders. So what do you enjoy most about leading SEO optimizers? Just like helping other people grow, building a team up and watching them grow as well, helping them learn more about SEO and digital marketing and watching their experience and their knowledge grow. But I just, yeah, enjoy the leadership of not having to work for somebody else. That's the biggest thing is being my own boss, my own hours and the flexibility, but much more responsibility comes with being a leader. So it's being accountable and just trying to be the best leader as possible. That way I could put a positive example out for my team. Like Uncle Ben said in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So <laughs> seems like you're handling well, though, Brandon. So when someone comes to work with you, how do you handle your client's expectations when it comes to like SEO results? We know it's a long game, but a lot of people have heard it and they're like, if I do this right, I'm going to magically appear on Google's first page overnight. What do you say? It just takes time, unfortunately. If they want those immediate results, paid ads, that'll get you that traction. But if they're looking... For long-term play, SEO, it's going to take time. And unfortunately, there's no shortcut around there. It's just building trust up with Google and getting Google to trust you is not easy. So anyone can build a website and put keywords all over it. Google doesn't care what you put on a website. Like I could build a website and I can say brandonsdentist.com and Google's like, all right, you see that you built this perfectly optimized website. It looks good on mobile. It loads quickly. You have your keywords everywhere, but we don't care. We're not going to rank you because they don't trust anybody. And they're never going to rank a website without you building trust. And the way to build trust is by getting what are called backlinks, getting those other websites to talk about you. That is the most important thing. Without backlinks, it is impossible to rank on Google. You could do everything right that Google is looking for. You can follow all their guidelines. But without backlinks, they're just not going to trust you and they're not going to rank you. So that really is one of the more important aspects is getting good quality backlinks to get Google to trust you. Once Google trusts you, then they're going to look at those keywords and the content on your website. But it doesn't work the other way around. Without backlinks, Google's not going to look at that content. They're not going to look at those keywords. They're not going to rank you. And how do you get those backlinks? There are tons of different ways. I'd say the best way is spying a competition. There's tools that will show you any website's backlinks, and you have to pay for them, unfortunately. They're not free, but more popular ones would be like Ahrefs or Moz or SEMrush. Kind of just pick one of those. You don't have to buy all three, but pick one. And then you could go search on Google for your keywords, see who's on that first page of Google. And anyone on that first page of Google is your competitor. Take their URL, throw it into these tools, and you can see all of their backlinks. And then one by one, you can start looking at the sites that seem relevant and authoritative and reach out to those sites because you don't want to just get any backlink. You want sites that are related to what you're doing. So in the past, Google said, all right, the more backlinks, the higher you're going to rank. If I have 100 and you have 200, you would rank higher than me. Now it's not the number of backlinks, it's the number of quality backlinks because your 200 backlinks could be really low quality spammy backlinks and my 100 could be really high quality backlinks. So it's not the number of backlinks, it's the number of quality. And quality to Google really just means the site is relevant to what you're doing. That's so very important. So if you're a dentist, you need to get websites that are related to health, wellness. It doesn't have to be other dentists, but anything somewhat related to what you're doing. If you're the dentist and you're getting a backlink from like an SEO company, if I give them a backlink, that looks a little weird. Like Google's like, why is an SEO company giving them a backlink? So Relevancy, very, very important. And then authoritativeness. How popular, how big is this website? If, I, if you're getting a backlink from my website to yours, it's good, but it's not the same as like a Wall Street Journal or LA Times or Forbes or Huffington Post. So the bigger the website, 
the more SEO value and the more relevant, the better off it's going to be. So those two things are really important when building backlinks. So just go for quality, not quantity. Gotcha. Yeah, you want those high reputation websites, right? So when it comes to uh, backlinks, say, for instance, I noticed that I purchased a Moz or a SimRush or ARES, whatever. Say, for instance, I noticed that some of the backlinks aren't quite backlinks that I wanted on there. Is there a way to kind of clean up that that digital presence? Yeah, unfortunately, anyone could build backlinks to anyone. So I could just build a bunch of backlinks. Like if I had a big network of like pharmaceutical websites, I could say, all right, I'm going to add a backlink to point to your website on all my websites. And there's nothing you really could do about that. You can't stop me from doing that. And Google knows that people could do this. So it's called negative SEO. Google tries to ignore these backlinks, but there's a tool. It's called the SEO disavow tool. So if you go to Google Search Console, and in there is going to be a place where you can disavow and tell Google, block these pages, don't count them for SEO. And hopefully they'll read that, ignore them, and that's going to help clean that up. Google says don't use that, which it's a little confusing. Google says they're going to naturally find them and remove them, but I would still say probably do it. I mean, I've worked with so many people in the years that say they've done it and didn't do anything. Other people said they did it and did something or a little bit, but who knows? That one's a tricky one where I try to avoid that as possible, but unfortunately, it's inevitable. Anyone can just build backlinks to you, so hopefully you don't have to deal with that, but in case you do, use the Google Search Console to look at your backlinks or use like Ahrefs and Moz and SEMrush to look at your backlinks. Make a list of all the ones that are low quality or irrelevant, and then go to the Google Disfile tool, and you could submit them there, and that should clean them all up. How Google of Google, right? <laughs> Say you shouldn't use this because we're going to find it, but we do have this tool for you. You just shouldn't use it. So, if someone were to, what are there any steps the designer should take prior to reaching out to a, a firm like SEO Optimizers? I mean, making sure the website looks good, it's fully optimized, is great, but. If you're not building backlinks immediately, then it doesn't do much. So I would optimize, build a website, and right when you launch the website, or even have like pop the URL, start building backlinks to it. Because the more backlinks you have, the sooner you're gonna get those rankings. And if you just optimize the website, that's great. But unfortunately, Google's not gonna trust that website without those backlinks. So gotta have both. And the sooner you start, once you get that URL, start setting those backlinks, start building that trust up because Trust is tough to get. It's not easy to get Google to trust you. Absolutely. And a great way to do that is, you know, guest blogging, getting on podcasts, right? If you're a speaker, getting some speaking engagements where they list you and backlink to your site. You know, there's so many different ways to do it, right? But we'll, we'll have an episode on that, designers. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there are great many options out there. But like you said, like blogging on other people's websites is great. Doing podcasts, doing interviews. If you're e-commerce, you give out products to influencers that have websites that relate to what you're doing and get those product reviews. And it's all about just really getting creative and trying to reverse engineer what your competitors did. And you can see exactly their strategies, what websites are on, and you can see what's working, what's not working and figure out, all right, saw my competitor got an article on the LA Times who wrote this article. Let me reach out to this writer and maybe they could write an article about me because we're similar businesses. It's not always going to work, but it's worth a shot. And if you can get that website to say yes, just getting a couple wins a month is huge. So don't get discouraged if you're not getting hundreds of backlinks, thousands of backlinks. It takes time, but it's all about quality. Get a few backlinks every single month and you'll be good. And that's great advice, Brandon. And then I got a question about reviews. How does that play into like SEO, like Google reviews, Yelp reviews, et cetera? They're not going to really help out with SEO. I mean, they'll help out for local. So if you're a local business, trying to get ranked higher on like Yelp, Google Maps, 
Amazon, anywhere where you can put reviews in, the more reviews that you have with keywords, the higher you're going to rank. So it's not really a number of reviews. If you search on like Google Map or Yelp or any of these platforms, you could say like auto body shop near me and you could see the number one could have 10 reviews. Number two could have 50 reviews. Number three could have 200 reviews. So it's not really the number of reviews. It's the number of keywords in the reviews and other variables like putting keywords in your description. So it's like you're on Google My Business. They say, write a description. You have like 2,000 characters. If you're going to write 50 words or 500 characters, you're missing out on those extra space because search engines feed off text. The more text you have, the easier it is for them to read, understand, and know what that page is about. And same with all these platforms. If they say, write, write 5,000 characters of text, write as much as you can. The more you write, the easier it is for them to read that, understand that, and know what your page, what your platform, what business you are. And then those keywords in the reviews help out. So if someone just writes a review saying, Brandon is great, very helpful and knowledgeable, that's good, but it doesn't really help out. So it says, I took a class with Brandon about SEO. And I learned so much about link building and keyword research that he got my website to rank higher in Los Angeles for my keywords using search engine optimization, something like that, where it has all these different keywords, cities, that's going to really help move the needle. Gotcha. That's great to know, man, because I know reviews, everyone asks for them. It's like, I've always wondered, how does that even play in? So that, thank you for asking that. So we're going to shift a little bit and we're going to go to our by design segment where I ask every guest the same three questions. Are you ready, Brandon? Yep. All good. All right. First question is, what has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? Just trying to get a team. That way you could have people that are able to help support you and get you from working in the business to working on growing the business. And that's a big thing. Just trying to get a good quality team and People are knowledgeable, that learn quickly and work well together. I feel like it's a big challenge, but once you find that, that makes things so much easier. Absolutely. Second question is, what is the best lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? Probably getting a mentor has always been helpful because they could teach you and help you grow from their lessons that they've learned in the past. So you don't have to learn or fall into their mistakes. You can learn from what they've done incorrectly in the past and grow from what's worked from them in the future. So getting a mentor has been so very helpful and just a wealth of information that they're able to help you out with. And if you don't have a mentor, there's websites that will help you find one. So score.org is a website that's like part of the SBA where I teach classes there. And I also found out once I started teaching classes that they offer free mentorship. So I was able to find a mentor there and that's a great way. And especially nowadays, well, Everything's online. You don't have to be physically in Los Angeles or wherever these score.org locations are. You just go online and you'd be anywhere in the world and get a mentor there. And that's going to really help the business out a lot. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I'm an ambassador. Verizon has a program called Verizon Small Business Digital Ready. And that's they offer free mentors as well. So I definitely recommend any of you listening who don't have it, designers, go ahead and get your mentor through SBA or SCORE. Verizon, Small Business Digital Ready. There's a ton of different programs. So I love that one, Brandon. Number three is what are three tools or tips that you would recommend when scaling a business? I'd say, well, Zapier is a really good tool. Zapier helps you automate so much in life and in your business. So Zapier does like, if this, then that. So if I post on Instagram, post that video on YouTube. If I post on Instagram, post that video on my website. So Kind of sets all these rules. If I do this, then that. Like if somebody signs up on my website, 
contact form, then add them to my email list or whatever you want to do. You can create all these rules and it's free. There's a paid version, but there's a free version, which will we do a lot of stuff and automates a lot and saves a lot of time. And love that tool. That tool is probably one of my favorite tools. It's not really for SEO. I mean, just for digital or just life in general. It will like set like timers for your like smart devices. You get like smart lights and all these other things. It does so much things. It's really helpful. And then say for SEO, one of those link building tools are really, really helpful. Like the Ahrefs, Moz, SEMrush. Picking kind of one of those tools. I use Ahrefs, but kind of just pick and choose whichever one you want. Ahrefs has a lot of other features, so it doesn't just do backlinks. It looks at keyword research. It'll track your keyword rankings. It'll do so much, uh, so many other things. Just got like a Swiss Army knife of tools for SEO. That one's gonna really help out. And then I'd say analytics. Just tracking. If you're not tracking, it's really gonna hurt you. So getting Google Analytics, and then also Google Search Console, but definitely getting Google Analytics. So you can see what's working, what's not working, and not just be guessing because all that data is there. You just have to tap into it and Google's willing to give it to you for free. So take advantage, grab that data, and then you're going to just learn so much about your business. Absolutely, man. Thank you for sharing that. It's been such an honor, such a pleasure uh, having you on, man. You're giving so much knowledge. I feel like I have a thousand more questions, but I don't want to monopolize your time, man. So how can the people connect with you? So anyone that listening or watching, I create a special gift for them if they go to my website at seooptimizers.com. That's S-E-O-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash gift. They can find that there along with my contact information and a bunch of classes I've done over the years. I've thrown up for free so you can see step-by-step how, a lot, how to do the stuff that we talked about. And also, if they want to book some time on my calendar for a free website analysis, they can do that there for free. And I'm happy to check out the website to see what's working, what's not working and how to get to that level that they want to be at. That is awesome, man. So that'll be in the show notes, designers. Go ahead and book a call. Brandon, check out some of the stuff he has at seooptimizers.com. I appreciate you, man. I look forward to seeing what you all have in the future as all this tech comes out for SEO. And I look forward to speaking with you, man. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Keep ascending. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening. 